You're listening to Screenwriters Need to Hear This with Michael Jamin. Hey everyone, it's Michael Jamin. Welcome back to another episode of Screenwriters Need to Hear This. I'm here with Phil Hudson. He's back. Phil is back. Hi, Phil. Hi, good to be back. And I got a new microphone for all of you concerned about my audio. That's a good looking microphone, I got to say, Phil. It looks better than mine. That's the one real podcatchers use. It was very expensive. I feel like mine is like a tin can. Yeah. Yeah. All right. It's fine, though. Uh, so here we had a special episode. We, I always say that, but I always mean it. Because uh, we've been doing a lot of um, free webinars, Phil and I have been doing, once a month. And and so we get a lot of questions. And so we couldn't answer all the questions. It's about an hour long. And we choose a topic. We really dive in. The past ones have included, what have they included? How to write a good story. Four uh, things you need to know to become a professional screenwriter. Um, there was a... Yeah, the we, got, leaving me. we got one, we got one one's coming up as well, kind of like uh, how to get past in, uh, industry gatekeepers, how to get your uh, material uh, uh, seen by Hollywood insiders, all this kind of stuff. Each each topic, one we it's each month it's going to be a different topic. And if you'd like to, if you'd like to be invited, uh, you can go to my website michaeljammin.com and and just sign up for there. We you know we do it once a month and it's free. Why not? And but one thing I've noticed. Phil and I have noticed is that we do these things. We get a ton of signups and maybe only a quarter or so of the people actually show up, which is so yeah. interesting because it's free. It's not the money. It's, and, and I, and I know I'm preaching to the choir because anyone who's listening to this podcast is not someone <laughs> is the same kind of person who'd show up to a webinar. So I know I'm preaching to the choir, but I say this because there's so many people who definitely want to make screenwriting a reality. They want to sell their screenplay, but they don't put the work in. Like if they don't, like if you're not going to show up to a free webinar from a, hosted by a guy who's telling you what you should do, then how are you going to make it? It's just not going to happen, Phil. Like, I, what are you doing? I 100% agree. And it's also, it's interesting, right? But I think it highlights what I've been saying is there are a lot of people who are seamers. I think that's a term we talked about early on in the podcast. Mm -hmm. People who want to seem like they are a screenwriter. So they go to the coffee shop, they have their screenplay open, they talk about their screenplay. It's the same screenplay. They never finish it. They never move on. I can't go do that. I'm working on my screenplay. And they don't show up. This is an yeah. opportunity to sit with a working showrunner telling you exactly what you need to do to break in the industry and how to write good stories, all of these things. And they just no-show. But it's also, it's like, all right, so you wrote one screenplay, but that's not enough. Like, And for, for the people listening, if you're doing what I'm telling you to do or suggesting at least, you're writing more, you're writing more, you're taking classes, you're writing, you're getting feedback, you're going to events. Like you're not, this is nonstop until you break in. And then once you break in, it's nonstop again because it just doesn't end. You don't, the doors, you know, I don't know. So anyway, I commend everyone who's listening to this. If you want to come to the webinar, you're more than welcome. Go to michaeljammin.com and you'll see the, the free webinar. Slash webinar, michaeljammin.com slash webinar. Slash, slash webinar. And uh, yeah, you'll get an invite. And then it's free. And then we send you a replay within like, 24 hours it's also free then if you miss it after that i think we'll it'll be available for a small purchase fee because there's, there's work involved in putting these things up but uh yeah go get it it's free it's free yeah, okay are we, are we ready phil so we got I a lot of so. questions i couldn't answer all of them because there's a time limit so here are the ones that uh that i couldn't answer yeah and and this is for the february webinar because we've had you've had a lot of great uh interviews coming up and we didn't want to hold those back and you got some good ones in the pipeline too which is pretty oh. exciting oh yeah so February Q&A. Again, if you do get on that, we will answer your questions. 
Now, there are some questions that we've answered in previous Q&A, so I'm going to skip some of those. Some of them continue to come up, Michael. And for your yeah. new audience members, I think we'll address those because they're important questions. And I think you're going to prevent a lot of people from struggling and spending a lot of money in places they don't need to, to be riders. Yeah. One other note that I thought was pretty cool feedback for everybody. We did have someone sign up for your course and it was because they've attended three of these webinars and I thought it was pretty cool. He said he'd spent $4,000 on direct mentorship and your free webinars were better than that. And that's why he signed up for your course. That's, that's the problem. Where's he getting the, where's the mentorship? Like who's the, four, well, we don't know. Four grand. 4k guys. So yeah. come to these webinars. You'll get, you'll save $4,000. $4,000 value guaranteed. Yeah. All right. Uh, I can't guarantee anything for Michael Jamin, I promise. Anyway, yeah. Norwood Creech. Let's go to question one. Norwood Creech asks, copyright, what is the status of writing a screenplay if it has a copyright? I don't know. <laughs> but here's the thing. I don't give legal advice on my, uh, uh, at all. Uh, I guess it protects you in some way, but I don't, I don't, I've only um, registered one script I ever wrote with the Writers Guild of America. That was the first one I wrote. But after that, every script that I make, uh, is copywritten by the studio that I sell it to. So it's their, it's their legal headache if someone wants to steal it. So uh, if you want to copyright, you can. And, but I, I've done talks about, I don't know, your biggest problem is someone should want to steal you. Your biggest problem is if your, your work is so good, someone wants to steal it. That's usually another problem you have. Here's right. the problem is your work is so terrible, no one wants to steal it. So, Right, right. Cool. And then are you concerned, there are a couple of follow-up questions. Are you concerned with AI screenwriting? Um, you know, not right now. I, I, I'm concerned. I have bigger pro. I have bigger concerns with AI, and that is destroying the world. That's why they want to do this pause on it. Uh, of all the writing that AI is going to take away, I think, I think creative writing will be last on the list. They will take away technical writing, mm -hmm. instructions, and stuff like that, and maybe some forms of copywriting. Marketing like, uh, writing is going away. I mean, I, that's yeah. as a search engine optimizer for most of my digital marketing career. That's a real concern for us. And Google yeah. is leaning towards allowing that type of copy. Oh, okay. But Still in terms of- be authoritative and you have to know how to communicate with the machine, but anyway. Uh -huh. But in terms of AI, you know, I'm not, I'm not worried yet. Maybe I'm being Pollyanna, is that what the word? But I'm not worried yet. It's, not, it's certainly not there yet. Maybe in five or 10 years, but right now it's not there at all. And it's not even close to being there, so. Yeah, okay, awesome. And then do you have any suggestions for writing narratives for young writers? Yeah, I mean it's the same suggestions for everyone else. I I I have that free uh, lesson at michaeljammon.com/free. It's a it's the same lesson I would give an older writer. There's no difference. The, the the advantage that older writers have is that I think when you're writing, you have you need two things, and I've said this before, but you need to have something to say and you need to know how to say it. And I teach people how to say it. That story structure, how to unpack it, and having something to say that comes with unfortunately that comes with age and wisdom and you know it's not it's, it's unusual when someone young really has a knows what they want to say my daughter who's only 20 she's got something to say and it shocks me because when i was her age i didn't have anything to say so but uh but don't you don't have to worry about that yet just continue writing awesome annie k asked what's the best way to know if your script is ready to be passed on or get you a job is it competitions is it a mentor any other suggestions well we've talked about competitions i'd say there's and you may know more about this than I do. I'd say about three of them that are probably worthwhile, right? Yeah. And Austin, Nichols, and, and Sundance. Yeah, Sundance has different labs. They shifted things a little bit prior to the pandemic where they're doing 
not just strict screenwriting labs anymore, but they have lots of different things. In fact, I'm, I'm attached to a screenplay coming out of Ecuador now because they have a okay. fund working with several um, fellows and things. And that's, um, you know, I'm not writing the screenplay or anything. They're just attaching me as a script consultant because I mm-hmm. have background there and been in the labs, but those are the only real ones that do anything. I mean, there, there are some other ones like big break, I think is a really good one. That's put on my final draft. And you oh, get to okay. I hadn't even heard of that. I hadn't yeah, even heard so, of that one. Yeah. So there are some, and we've talked about that in other podcast episodes as well, what, what the list is, but I can tell you, and we did talk about this a little bit on our webinar this month. The lot of that is a, is a way of funding the rest of the film festival. It's getting mm-hmm. the judges to attend. Um, I was working with a guy who ran some film festivals and he actually had me reading the scripts and giving my opinion and deciding who would get the best. And, right. you know, I was a student. And that's the problem. I mean, and if you're going to, people say, well, I placed in the, like, you gotta, you gotta win or come in second or something. I don't think placing, and then they still think it's going to change their life. It rarely does. You still have to continue the hustle. You know, I was going to do another. Go, go ahead. Well, I was going to do another talk about this. Some woman made a post. She's like, yeah, I, won, I placed at all these contests and I still can't get an agent. Like, even if you did get an agent, it wouldn't change, move the needle. You got to do all this yourself. So Mm-hmm. And, I, and I'm going to do a whole webinar on that. I did, and I actually did. I did one where we talked about it to some degree, but I'm going to lean into it a little bit more. It's like, no, you got, you're not doing enough. You're not doing yeah. enough. This is anecdotal, uh, but someone in the chat in your last webinar said that they had a friend who placed on the blacklist, mm-hmm. and they were promised all this industry connection. Nothing <clears> happened. They didn't even get a meeting, or, or what? No, nothing came about. Nothing no. came of it. Yeah. So, so and, it's it's not enough. It, like it, when he. You know, these contests are relatively new. They weren't around when I broke in. But then again, the industry's changed so much and things are you can have, there are things available now that would help you that weren't available then. Namely, uh, the internet, namely making your own stuff on your phone. Name I mean, namely like learning so much from people who are around industry. When I broke in, in ninety well, I moved out of I got out of college in ninety two. There was no internet, there was no how do I get a job? I had to drive out to Hollywood just to meet people to ask the questions. Now you can find out the answers on the internet, you know? So there's way more access now. So it's not, I wouldn't necessarily say it's harder now. It's just different. Yeah. And in some ways it's easier. Yeah. And you you give out tons of free resources and most of your audience yeah. knows this by now, but you've got the free lesson, you've got your social media, which is great at Michael Jam and Writer. There's lots of yeah. good stuff out there that you put out that just didn't exist before. Yeah. All right. Uh, Daniel Ringel asks, what's the ideal job to pay rent and have the time to pursue screenwriting? The ideal job would be assistant to an executive producer. Perfect job because you're basically sitting at their desk answering the phones that don't ring. That's what I did for a couple of years. And so during that time I wrote and I would ask them questions and that's the ideal job. The next best job would be uh, a writer's assistant. So you're in the writer's room and you're, I mean, in some degree, in some sense, that may even be a better job. You're in the writer's room and you're listening to these writers. You're learning how they break stories, but then you don't have the time to write or you write, you have to write it on the weekends or at night. So they're, they're both but, are great jobs. But you're learning so much through osmosis, just being in that room, listening. Yeah. And yeah. seeing it happen. Yeah. So yeah. that'd be a fantastic job. All right. Follow up. How can I stay home and write while not making my girlfriend think I'm a bum ass? Your girlfriend isn't into you anyway. So you don't have to worry about it. How can you stay home and write? You know, you're going to have to, you're going to have to make priorities. That's the, that's the thing. That's the, I, I feel because, uh, you know, my, um, 
my writing partner, I don't want to talk about him. Well, it's not really, I don't want to tell his story, but he, he was going through similar things. You know, he had a girlfriend and he had, uh, uh, he had to write on the side and it was, it was the struggle. How do you, how do you balance? Well, you're just going to have to make that happen. I didn't have a girlfriend at the time, so I didn't have to worry about it. Yeah. Um, For me, when I was dating, I had what I call the red carpet test. I, I was so fixed on knowing exactly what I wanted to do with my life, which is be a professional writer, that yeah. when things started getting serious with a, a girl, I would ask them, how comfortable would you feel on a red carpet? Right? Mm-hmm. And no girl passed that test. They were all, they'd, I'd feel really uncomfortable. And then right. I asked my wife and she said that and she said, oh, I wouldn't have a problem with that. And she's so supportive of me, like so right. absolutely supportive of everything I do that she understands that that's what I want to do. And she, I, I also prioritize what she wants though. It's, it's a give and take and a balance, yeah. and, and, but that's, you just got to find the right relationship. I think that handles that. Yeah, you're right. And if you're in the wrong one and they don't like it, then resentment's going to, you're both you, 10 years from now, you're going to resent her. She's going to resent you. So, you know, that, that's hard, hard advice to hear, but it's important yeah. advice is. Oftentimes your relationships, family and um, romantic will be the thing that holds you back from achieving your goals. Yeah. You know, my wife, she ran a, a club, well, you know, the Trolley Girls, she ran a, a girls clothing company and I, for, for 15 years and I handled all the marketing and I wrote all the commercials. And then, then when she stopped doing that, she threw herself into helping me doing what I'm doing now. And she was like, I was like, well, I, you know, thank you for your help. She's like, well, you, you supported me just as much. So now I'm just doing it for you. So it, it's that kind of thing. You got, if you're not in a supportive relationship, you've got a problem. Yeah. Breakup. That's the answer. Yeah. Uh, Michael's not telling you. Goes back to, I told you she wasn't into you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Delara Casey, what would you consider a giant following on social media? Isn't requiring somebody to have a car? Oh, and then there's a follow-up question. So let's go. With yeah. What would you consider a giant <laughs> following? No, I have no freaking idea. I have no idea. And I asked this of my agent, of my book agent. I said, hey, how big of a following do I need to have? I don't know. Okay. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea. And I asked my, um, you're going to have to ask a kid. I told, I had, uh, I had lunch with my nephew a couple of weeks ago and his friends, you know, they're young kids. They're, they're 20s. They're in college. And uh, we were talking about TikTok. And I told him, he said, yeah, we had a, a visitor, a lecturer come. Guy had a lot of followings. He had like 800,000 following, followers. I'm like, oh, okay. That's a, I, I, got it, uh, I got 412. And they thought, <laughs> they thought I meant 412, <laughs> right? Like 412 followers. Right. And I said, no, no, 412,000. And they're like, oh, that's a lot. <laughs> so I don't know what I, I have an answer for this. What is so, the answer? So because of my, what I'm currently doing and, you know, I'm I'm now posting things professionally on my social media about being a, a writer or a, an associate producer or an assistant to these guys. And they're currently having me help them run their social media and do the promotional stuff for them for their new film, Quasi. comes out on yeah. April 20th on Hulu. And that means I'm traveling with them and I'm sitting with a, a publicist from Searchlight Pictures and their publicist who is the publicist for about half of the top comedians, um, stand-up comedians, 50,000 followers 50,000 is considered an influencer in that space that allows you to they want to engage with you to selfishly promote their product or their people but what platform because 50,000 on tiktok is different than instagram she said it doesn't matter so anybody who has over 50,000 she wants me to write them down so that they can engage them about helping promote the film doesn't matter she says yeah 
So I'll Sweet. confirm. I mean, I'm going back on the road with them, you know, in a couple of days, and I'll ask that question as a follow up. But fifty thousand is the this, number. Because reach has really changed. I wonder if they're aware of how <laughs> there's no reach anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a numbers um, thing for sure. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. There's your answer. Fifty thousand. All right. Follow up question from Delara. Isn't requiring somebody to have a car a form of discrimination to be a production assistant? Uh, you know, is it required? Is 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 having two arms a form of discrimination to be a baseball player? Well, that's the, you got to swing a bat. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know what to say. I mean, I don't know what to say about that. There, there you have know. been people, by the way. There have been famous pitchers with one arm who have done the yeah. job and done it well. The, the I think. This is just my opinion, 100% Phil Hudson's opinion here. Mm-hmm. I think that we're too focused on discrimination and less focused on what is the requirement to be able to do the function of the job. Mm-hmm. If you have yeah. to get from Woodland Hills, California to Pasadena to hand a script to an actor, and that's an hour and a half in your car in traffic, you can't rely on a bus to get you there to do that job. No. And that no. is a function that is a requirement of the job. And so having the vehicle is and they don't say what quality of the vehicle by the way and they they cover your miles for the car which is the wear and tear and the gas in the vehicle so you you get compensated for those things but you just have to be able to do the function of that job i mean it'd be great if the studio had a car a beater that okay you got to drive the car you here's the car here's a here's a studio car now you got to run errands with the car that'd be fantastic but um you know there's they i don't know you still have to get to work you still have to yeah. find a way to get to work. You still have to know how to drive. Yeah. There'd still be obstacles in your way. So no. Now, if you're set PA and you're on set all day, that's a different story because you can get to set on time. Someone can yeah. drop you off. You're there for 12 to 14 hours, and then somebody has to pick you up and take you home. It's yeah. a different story. You can carpool with other people at work. If you're in the camera department, lighting, whatever those are, you can do those jobs. But to be like an office PA or writer's PA, you're getting people's lunches. You're, you're like going yeah. out and running errands. You got to have a vehicle to do that job. So I don't yeah. think it's discrimination. I mean, the, at the bottom line is like, it, it, people who have some money are always going to have it easier than people who have absolutely no money. Mm-hmm. And so that's just the way it is. Is it fair? No, it's just the way it is. So I, I yeah. don't know. Yeah. Until the machines start picking us up and we just get in the car without knowing why. Yeah, maybe that'll happen. That's right. They'll have self-driving cars and PAs will be out of work. So I don't know. Yep. There you go. They just throw stuff in the back. Yeah. All right. Ariel Allen asks, do you recommend starting with short scripts and just working those before moving to full length? Um, well, I mean, that's what I do as a TV writer. I write short scripts. They're 22 minutes long. I don't write features. So, and I think writing a, you know, a short script, a 22 minute script is, uh, takes much less time than writing a feature. So I recommend, sure. You know, that's why I write, to me, it's more interesting. I like, the, the pace, the change, then spending all this time on a feature, which could take a couple of years in the same amount of time, I could bang out several, epi- several, or, you know, I don't have a yeah. dozen or so episodes of television. So. Yeah. And I think, and this is old data, so it might've changed, but I doubt it. The time frame when being offered a script assignment for a feature is six months to turn in your first draft. Uh-huh. Well, I, 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 they want it yesterday, to be honest. Right, but, but I think it, you have six months to get in your draft. Is they'll push you for it, but that's what the Writers Guild has as the time frame okay. to get in draft mm-hmm. one, and then there's a time for the for draft two. So, that being said, how many pilots can you write in six months of TV? Me personally, you personally as a professional oh, screenwriter. Oh, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I don't try to write that many pilots. Uh, I, you know, we write. We might do one a season. You know, one Got a it. year. 
you know, because you're, you're a working writer too. So we've got to consider that. Yeah. But you could write episodes. It takes less time to write an episode of television on, you know, spec script than a, than a pilot. Sure. Okay. Another follow-up question. Uh, I live in Texas and I'm nowhere near. Oh, but you know what? Hold on, Phil. One, one second. Though. I want to say yeah. it, if I find it very hard to tell a compelling story, that's if it's too short, if you don't have enough time, if you're only doing like five minutes, if you want to write a short, that's a five minute short. I would have, I would have a hard time telling a compelling story in that amount of time. I think for me, it's like 20 minutes is kind of the sweet spot, maybe 15, but any shorter than that, it's like, I, I, I don't know. I need time to get the plane up in the air, you know? When I was in film school, the assignments were your script, your short could be no longer than like five minutes or three minutes, depending on the professor. And yeah. some of the professors were my age because I was, a, a, you know, an older student. And I talked to them after and they're like, yeah, it's just because I don't want to sit through that much boring content. Yes, right. Because right, right. they couldn't tell a story. And, yeah. and that was, I've talked about it before, amazing cinematographers, great camera work, but nothing happening. And it's just boring to watch, even if it's pretty. So. Yeah they would have those caps. And then I had to hit that restraint for my final project. And because of your mentorship and the work that I'd been putting into writing, I knew that my script needed to be 12 minutes long and it was a 12 minute script. And I cut it down to a five minute. And after my professor in my directing class was like, yeah, you, that story needs to be longer because there was not enough time to breathe and to fill those moments. And so, yeah, yeah, it's definitely, and the formatting was very different too, writing a short we, we talked about that all the time as students is there's just not a lot of ramp up time to get across the information you need. And when you talk about those three fundamental things you need to know in a story and you're, you talk about that in your free lesson, mm -hmm. hard, hard to get that across super fast and finish yeah. that plot in three minutes. Well, it's also because you want to make that end. If you want that end to be impactful, to really hit somebody, it's like, it's not even so much about getting all the exposition out. It's about like, what do I need to do to make that ending feel like a payoff to really feel emotional? And like, if you don't have enough time to do all the other stuff, the ending is just going to feel unearned. It's going to, you know, it's going to feel unearned, which is right. the, you know, bad writing. Right. All right. Follow-up question from Ariel. Uh, I live in Texas and I'm nowhere near quote the industry. How do yeah. you actually gain connections in the film or TV industry? Well, I think, I think, the problem is you need to be in Hollywood. You, you, you're Ariel saying, I want to work in Hollywood, but I don't want to work in Hollywood. Yeah. Like, well, there's a problem. Yeah. And now, so th there is an industry in Texas. There are a lot of filmmakers in Austin and a lot of people are moving to Austin. But what mm -hmm. do you want to do in the industry? And this is the question right. I have from a lot of people. Would you stay in LA? Why are you in LA? It's because this is where the writing happens. If I yeah. could live in another state and do it, I probably would. Taxes yeah. are better. A lot of reasons why less traffic, less pollution, yeah. all those things. But yeah. this is where the writing happens. And so this is where I am until I achieve that or I'm at a level where I can move somewhere else and then, you know, do the job from elsewhere. And, and I know that's like feature writers at a really high level, like in years in and Academy Awards. Mm -hmm. It's not something that's. And even they have to happen. come back in for meetings, although maybe with yeah. Zoom it's less and less, but they have to, you know. Yeah. But that's the, I mean, that's the thing. It's like. I know she doesn't want to leave Texas for whatever reason, because she likes it there. She has friends, family, she, you know, whatever reason she doesn't want to leave, but there are people who will leave and those people are going to have a leg up. Mm -hmm. Those people want it more. No one wants to move away from their friends and family. No one wants to. And so the people who come out here like yourself are hungry because they're uncomfortable. They want to make it happen because they've already sacrificed. So those people have an, have an advantage. And to be honest, I think they should because they've already given up more. They want it more. Yeah. Sacrifice. Yeah. Justin Villa, 
You mentioned early in your career, you started working under a working writer who helped show you the ropes. How did you approach that relationship? I think this well, I referring which, to yeah. the, uh, the, the book writing for Doe. Um, what's his name? Oh, well, I had Bill Adams. I mean, I had, I had a writing teacher and he was a retired guy and he lived in the Pacific Palisades and he had a, a class once a week in his you know dining room and we all drove there. Um, that would, so yeah, I studied under him. You got to, you got to, I always felt like you got to study. There were, there were classes offered. I could have taken a class at UCLA extension or something like that, but I wanted to be sure of who I learned from. And I found a guy, I wanted to learn from the guy who had the job that I wanted. And so he was a retired sitcom writer. Perfect. Uh, I didn't want to learn from a professional teacher, which many of them are. Some of them are not, but many of them are. So this is a question later. How did you find him? What did you do to find that? Like, you know what? I, I heard, I don't remember who told me, but I moved to LA, moved to Hollywood. Now I'm in the circles. Now I'm hanging out. I'm, this is where everyone comes here because they want to become a screenwriter or actor or whatever. And so you're meeting people at parties who want to do, who want the same thing that I want. And then you're talking and then someone mentioned this guy. Someone, he, he wasn't in the phone book. He wasn't on the internet. There was no internet back then. Someone mentioned his, and then I, I met, I learned it from someone who I was talking to. This is why people come to Hollywood. And uh, I was like, great, give me his number. And then I went. So yeah. I, I don't remember who told me, but that's how I found out. Did you develop any kind of relationship with him? I think that's the Justin's second part of that question. How did you approach he, that relationship? Or was it really just a teacher-student relationship where you show up, you kind of listen, he dictates yeah. down, that kind of thing? Or Yeah, I was teacher-student. He told me I, after reading some stuff that I would never make it as a professional writer, he thought he was doing me a favor. Because he thought, well, you don't waste your time trying to do this. Do something else with your life. He, he wasn't trying to be mean. He was trying to do me a favor. But he didn't know me well enough. He didn't know me that he didn't know how hard I work and how tenacity. I wouldn't give up. There, there's a tenacity yeah. there that most people don't have. And so he saw where you were and said, this is as far as you will go. Not knowing yeah. you'd hit the wall until it broke yeah. down. Right. So Huge lesson that. in that for everybody listening, by the way. Like That's what yeah. you have to do. Hit the wall I was until told it falls it, down. Yeah, and in college, I wanted to be a creative writing. I wanted to study, wanted to be in the creative writing program. Uh, I was good enough to take classes, but I wasn't good enough to get into the program where I, that was my major. And uh, so they told me I wouldn't be a writer either. Yeah. Who cares? No one's, no one's going to tell me what I get to do with my life. Look who's laughing now. No one's laughing. <laughs> Not even <laughs> the make, audience. Michael doesn't make anybody laugh. <laughs> when you say okay and then follow up when you say it doesn't matter whose hands your script gets into would you yeah. go as far as to upload your script to the, online I, I not necessarily I, I would be really you know i want to know who i was giving it to not but you know i wouldn't upload it to the to the interwebs and i i meant it in terms of a great script ha has legs the same way a great show has legs this is like here's the thing i saw this great show and i was going to talk about this in one of my upcoming webinars i made a note of it there's this guy named Derek Delgadio, and he put on a show. He had a one-man show. It was on Hulu. It was called In and of Itself. Someone told me about it, and I watched it, and I was blown away. It was so original and so creative. I was blown away. I stopped. When I was done, let's go back to the beginning. I never do this. I never go back to the beginning. When I just finished it, let's watch it again. Forget it. But I did that. And then afterwards, I started telling everyone, you got to watch this show. This is amazing. And... Uh, and, and, and I was doing it, like no one asked me to share it. I was sharing it because 
I was giving a gift, like, go watch this. This is amazing. You're going to love this. And I would look good in that person's eyes because I was the one who discovered this precious gem that no one else was talking about. I'm the only one who's, this is my little thing and now I'm giving it to you. And I felt like a gift. And that's what a great script could do. Like you show it to someone and they're blown away. If they're like, oh, it's okay. You're, nothing's going to happen. But if they're blown away, they will tell people, not because they're trying to help you, but because they're trying to help themselves and make themselves look good to, the, to their friends and family. And, you know, look what I just gave you, this great recommendation. You might have literally just equated it to this, but could your audience equate it to finding that show, that water cooler talk, the one everyone wants to talk about and share with their friends? Yeah, right. It's yeah. And it's not, it's not like... You know, at the end of the whatever water cooler, White Lotus or whatever, whatever's big right now, it's probably not White Lotus anymore, but no one, it, they wouldn't say, hey, did you, no one says, hey, if you enjoyed your show, the show, please share it with your friends. There was none of that at the end of HBO's episode of White Lotus. It was people loved it and they just went to work the next day. You got to watch this show. Yeah. So what, what was that moment for you, for the audience? What is that moment for you when you were watching a show and that's the level you want to be at to be a pro? Oh, well, but when you, when what you, I'm, what, what are you saying? When you get what I'm saying is for the audience member, think about yeah. a time when you watched a show and you felt this is something I need to go tell Joe about or Mike about Yeah, that moment, that quality, that's what you're striving for to work at a yeah. professional level at the upper echelons of Hollywood. And yeah. when someone has that experience with your script, that is what's going to happen in script format. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Though that's that's when I say give it to. It doesn't matter who you give it to. If you give it to someone and it's amazing, they will give it to someone else. And they're not going to give it to some idiot on the internet that they don't know. They're going to give it to a friend who can help someone who's further up the ladder. They're just going to pass it along. You know, give it to someone who knows someone who knows someone in the industry. And if it's great, it'll find it'll 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 start walking because good scripts have legs. And if it's not, if it's mediocre, it won't. Yeah, I, I put a script online, but it was also very well documented here on this podcast with you giving me notes that I wrote that script. So there is a paper trail of authority and ownership that goes back to me and logged IP addresses when you download it so that if someone stole it, I feel legally protected enough to do that. And it's of service. And I got great notes from a professional writer, Michael. So it was absolutely worth me doing that. I don't think either of us are suggesting you do that. Hey, it's Michael Jammin. If you like my videos and you want me to email them to you for free, join my watch list. Every Friday, I send out my top three videos. These are for writers, actors, creative types. You can unsubscribe whenever you want. I'm not going to spam you, and it's absolutely free. Just go to michaeljammin.com slash watch list. Uh, question you've answered many times before, but continually pops up because everyone focuses on this at first. Do you need an agent? Well, you do need an agent to get submitted to a TV show, to get the meeting, to get a pitch meeting. You do, you do need an agent. But an agent, an agent is really not going to get you work. Mostly agents field offers. Agent will do the 5% of the work that you can't do. You still have to do 95% of the work. Uh, and so, yes, you need an agent, but the agent is not the answer to your problems. And there's a lot you can do without an agent. So. Yep. And you've said before, any script you get when you're staffing a show, those people have come from someone with an yes. agent. And yeah. you're still hoping for a good writer out of that batch. Yeah. If, I, if I'm staffing a show, and let's say I get 
three dozen scripts to read, which is not an exaggeration. All of them come from agents. All of them come from managers. You know, you can't submit to me. You can't, I won't touch it. So it all comes through a, a rep. And of those 36 scripts, maybe only one or two are any good. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Okay. Um, this was a comment uh, specific to the time, but I think it addresses something that happens on your website regularly. Uh, Jeff says, so I'd love to take Michael's course, but it's currently closed. Sad face. Oh, uh, sad face. So, so the course is closed now. Um, yeah. You are now doing an enrollment period on the course. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah. So once a month we open it up and it's brief. It's like three days or something, Phil, right? Like it's, yeah. it's like three or four days, something like that. It's not yeah, a lot. A lot of people join, uh, which is great. And a lot of people are getting a lot of value out of it, but we close it down so that we can provide a better experience to those people because when it's open all the time, it's a little crazy for both of us. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, it's great. So we got an enrollment pair. We onboard everybody, shut the door, take a breath, do it again answer, next month. Answer questions in the private group, the yeah. people in there help you out, all that stuff. So if you're wondering yeah. why the course is closed, um, here's a hint. Maybe attend the live webinar. Yeah, you'll get a better. Actually, if you attend the webinar, we, we give you a better deal. <laughs> yeah. So come to the webinar. You got a special deal. If not, uh, just get on my email list and you'll know when it's open. And when it's open, get in. And then if you miss it, you get in the next time. You know, it's yeah. every month. Yeah, got it. Uh, PJ works. And we've addressed this as well, but I think he phrases it really interestingly. Just curious, how do we have bad movies and TV shows if you have yeah. to be really good to be in the industry? That's the thing. Some people think because there's so much bad stuff on the air, well, I can be bad. I can be just as bad as them. There's so many reasons why a show might be terrible. Some, not all of them are, come down to the writing. Sometimes you'll have a star and the star, this is what, the, this is what they want to do and writing be damned, writers be damned. Sometimes it's coming from the network or the studio. This is what they want. And so they're paying for it. Sometimes there's so many chefs in the pot, executive producers giving notes. You don't even know what you're doing anymore. I mean, to me, it's almost like it, the business is designed to make mediocre shows uh, and only occasionally something breaks through and uh, God bless when that happens. But, um, you know, why, why? Just because that's how it, this is the, the business. This is the, it's a business. So everyone wants, they're chasing the same thing. I read a book, but I, I think it was Charlie Hawk. He described it as everyone wants to make a hit show. Everyone's in a, in a life raft. And so you have the director, the actor, the writer, the studio executive, the production company, everyone, and everyone's got an oar, and they're paddling as fast as they can, but the raft is circular. And so everyone's paddling, but the raft is going around in circles because, you know, that's what the problem is. When you have all these, they all want the same thing though, which is to get to the other side, but they're paddling, and so that's what happens. You start spinning around. Yeah. Yeah, unless man. you have a you get lucky, it's lightning in a bottle, or you have a really strong showrunner who has enough f you minded to say no. But and that's and by the way, that's not me. So it's some people who have the there's, clout. You know, there's a really good book on this called Difficult Men, uh, and it's about the showrunners. A Difficult Men mm -hmm. Behind the Scenes of a Creative Revolution from the Sopranos uh, by Brett Martin, and it talks about this these showrunners who were those guys, and they wrote Mad Men and all mm -hmm. these shows that you know and love and it, they just had the chops to do the job and the attitude to say no but the chops were so good they hbo and these companies yeah. just let them do their job once you start making a successful show they usually back off once they learn to trust the showrunner they back they usually back off but in the beginning everyone's scared and the bigger budget the budget is every the more scared everyone is jj abrams <sighs> just had a show canceled on hbo this year what was JJ? it 
I, I can't remember the name of it, but it was like a massive budget. It was like one of the first things Discovery chopped. Like they just cut. Oh budget yeah, well because they were cutting budgets everywhere. So. Yeah. Uh, two questions similar. Going to combine them. So Shea, Shea Mercedes and Leody Bennett. Um, yeah. How do we learn, or how can I practice screenwriting every day when I don't have an idea for a screenplay? Uh, and let me combine it with another. Yeah. Bark Bark four three five. How can a beginner start to be a screenwriter? What are the first steps? So, what? How do I write if I don't have any ideas? How can I learn to write? And you know, what are my first steps if I want to be a screenwriter? These feel very new yeah. to me. Well, if you don't have an idea, you're screwed. I mean, you know, but you don't have to have a good idea. You have to have you don't have to have a great idea. You have to have a good idea. And there's it's the execution which is which matters. I talk one of the modules we have in the course, and I and trying to be one of the most popular ones is mining your life for stories. How, how to mine your life, because you all have stories. People wanna, I think new writers think that let's create a world and let's create all the characters in this world. I'm like, hey, why bother? Why not just write what you know? And uh, that way, you, if you come, you take the story from your life, you don't have to create a story because it ha already happened to you. You have to create a character, you're the character. All you gotta do is figure out how to unpack the details of the story and that story structure. And that can be learned, that can be taught. That's what we teach. And so, that's what I would do. I, you know, that's what I would do. Start writing what you know, and uh, what you know. There's a misconception. You know, this guy on Paul Gio. He, you know, he's a another writer on, on, you know, on the internet on the social media, and he, you know, he talked about this the other day, and I was like, he said it perfectly, which is, people say write what you know, but they don't really understand what that means. They think, well, that means if you're a plumber, write about plumbing. Write mm -hmm. about a, your characters of plumbing. Plumber. No, no, no. Write what you know means the internal struggles that you face. So if you are insecure about your education, your character, write about a character who's insecure about that. If you're insecure with about uh, your looks, or if you were uh, abandoned as a baby, write about that. I mean, so it doesn't have to be the outside. It's the, it's the internal struggle, what you feel on the inside. That's what you know. And, you know, uh, great... Uh, um, the Great Gatsby, which is, you know, a great American novel. F. Scott Fitzgerald wrote it. And so that's that was about a guy uh, who felt poor. He felt poor and um, and he wanted the girl. He, he always felt he would never have any self-worth until he was rich. And then he'd be worthy enough to get the girl. As much as he loved the girl, being rich was more important to him because he always had that emptiness. And if you know anything about F. Scott Fitzgerald background, that was him. That's how he felt. And even when he had them, even when he earned money as a, as a novelist and a screenwriter, he couldn't keep it in his pocket. He had to spend it because that's how he felt. That was, that was how he felt whole on the, on the, you know, on the inside. And that's why he had a drinking problem. That's why he died at the age of 40 something because of, an, of alcoholism because he had that hole. But the character of Greg Gatsby's, pretty close to him yeah yeah uh, episode 39 of this podcast a great writing exercise there are some ideas in there and some other things that you can do to learn more about how to practice your skills and and develop those things but the other thing we talk about on this podcast often is being okay with yourself and being okay with your emotions and being okay mm -hmm. being vulnerable but you also talk about the dichotomy of when's what's too far what's oversharing yeah so yeah dive into the podcast a bit more if you're new and maybe really we'll do stuff. actually that's a good point maybe we'll do a whole webinar on, on oversharing and stuff like yeah. that all right so so again lots of questions about do i need to live in la to be a writer how do i make connections with people outside if i'm not there we've already addressed these 
LA is where the writing is, but you can make connections in your area and online. Your your screenwriting course is a great place to do that. Um, mm-hmm. Outside of that, there are Facebook groups, lots of really popular. Yeah, we Facebook have a private groups. face. We have a private Facebook group just for the students and those guys. I gotta say, Phil, because I don't do this. Those guys are. They're, they're hitting it hard. They are having table reads. Mm-hmm. They're having script swaps. Pitch they're sessions. P- pitch set. I'm like, what? And like, I'm not in charge of that. They are. And yeah. it's because they're freaking focused and they and just want to make it guests. happen. Like they're bringing in guests too. Like one of one of the writing members, Lori, her, her husband is a pretty well-known writer. And mm-hmm. he came in and did a guest pitch session where people, writers pitched to him and he gave feedback. Good like, for him. Yeah, he he's, he has famously one of the if I think it's the most valued script sold, and he came in and he did it to help you because that's a student. That's not a connection you or I have. No, no, there's a connection with another student. So like, yeah. I'm impressed, and that's why we and you know we keep it closed. It's like you can't join. I get we get people every day. They want to join. Like no 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 no. No, it's only for students because I don't want this turning into a cesspool of uh, of trolls and, and idiots yeah. like every other screenwriting group on, on Facebook where the people are just mean and stupid and, and awful to each other. It's not what's going on in there. So Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Uh, Gary Hampton, what would you say it's beneficial to volunteer to be a writer's assistant or producer's assistant to gain some practical experience? Well, you can't volunteer. I mean, it's a paying position. It's not an internship. And you can't you intern want... anymore because some interns sued. And so no one wants yeah. to do that anymore. Right. So it's a paid position. It's not a, it's not a well-paid position, but, you know, so you can't volunteer for it. Th- that being said, job. personal experience with this, you, you remember I got a text. I was sitting in my office and you're like, Phil, there's a PA job on Tacoma FD. Do you want it? It pays horrible and the work sucks. And I said, I would do that job for free. And you said, right answer. And you told me that's exactly what you did. Like yeah. you volunteered. Isn't that how you got your job? You or your first one of your first Yeah, jobs my you... first job. This was on a show called Evening Shade. This was a long time ago with Burt Reynolds and uh and uh who else was in it? Anyway, um Mary Lou Henner. But uh I sent out resumes. I'll do I'll please I'll work for free. Finally some someone said, Fine, you wanna work for free, you could start tomorrow. We'll give you three hundred dollars a week. And I was like, three, you know, now three hundred dollars a week is nothing, but I jumped at it. It's better than free. I jumped at it. Yeah, um, but it's only because he only offered me the job because I said I'll work for free. You were willing to do it. Yep. Yeah. So you had the desire. Uh, Follow up question: What's the best way to get into a writer's room? And I know that's a crapshoot. As a well, the best way is to get in as a writer's assistant. You know, but you, that's hard. You have to get in yeah. the, first. You got to start as a PA. And the, and the answer to this, having done basically all of this over the last several years, is bust your butt. Mm-hmm. Serve, serve, serve. I remember, and I think of, I think Sievert's aware now, I remember there was one point where Sievert was like, eh, Phil will burn out. And you were like, no, he won't, because you've known me long enough. But Did he say that? The, I don't remember saying it. Was the level, it was the level at which I was like putting out in the writer's room. And I, just, I remember uh-huh. I overheard that conversation. You're like, not Phil. Uh-huh. I, was, I appreciate yeah. you having my back, but. Yeah, it gets it gets exhausting at a certain level, and you just have to keep putting up. It it gets emotionally exhausting too. That's probably yeah. the, that's probably even harder than the physical. It's like because you're so close, you're five inches away from the seat that you want to sit in. You're sitting outside the room. Yeah. Yep. I I would literally have to remind myself I, I, when I would get overwhelmed with like those thoughts. I'd say, "This is the job I would have killed for two years ago. This yeah, is the that's job exactly I would have right. killed for three years ago. That's exactly right." That's, that's how exactly I kept going. Right. It's not fun. And a lot of people are like, oh, isn't that beneath you? Like nothing is beneath me as long as it helps me progress. 
nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, how do you, so love Leah Ann Clark. How do you stick oh. to your story when people tell you that it is not sellable because they have not lived through the events? Well, uh, if it's not sellable, like, I mean, I don't know who's telling you it's not sellable. I, I, no, no story is sellable, just to be clear. Uh, you know, even if you pitch it to a, I've pitched stories. That's, that's, I can't sell that. You know, why? It's like the minute it sells, it's sellable. But, um, if you tell a story authentically and truthfully, that's the the only thing you can hope for is to write a great story. That's what I say. I, if you're going to look for the, the market, oh, this is what the market's looking for. What's the market looking for? Forget it. That's a moving target. The minute you fire that arrow, the target is gone. It's two years old too. It's always changing. It's just yeah. like, you know, so, but all you get, all you can do as a writer is write a great story. That's the only thing that you have control over and not worry about selling it. Can you write a great story? And if you can, then it becomes a calling card. People will hire you to write something else. Just focus on writing a great story. Yeah. Another really good piece of advice in the industry is if there's a story that you feel in your soul, you need to tell, don't put that one off, write that one. Yeah. Write that one immediately. Right. Yeah. Uh, Jeff Rice Studios asks, could you talk about some of the staff management process of show running or being the, quote, captain of the ship, end quote? Well, as the showrunner, you know, uh, no one becomes a comedy writer or even any kind of writer to even drama writer because they want to be a manager. They don't become, they don't, that's not why we go into it. If you did, you'd go into middle management. You'd get a job in, the corp- in a corporation. So you're, we all do it because we want to be creative. Then you rise to the level where you have your own show or you're running someone's show for them. And, uh, and now you have to keep everyone motivated. And so the way you keep motivated, you know, is not by shutting people down. You have to lead, but you also have to make them feel like they have a voice. And this is stuff that's like, it, it, it doesn't make me comfortable at all. It's not why I went into it anyway. So I was to, was to do this. So, but you have to just be a decent human being and hopefully, um, you know, but, but your job, by the way, is uh, when you're on staff, your job is not to be creative per se. Your job is to give the showrunner what they want, mm-hmm. is to help them make their show. Yeah. Awesome. Raven Wisdom. When in a groove writing a scene, and as happens, life interrupts the flow and you lose the moment, what has mm-hmm. helped you to return to that moment or scene and continue that thought? You know, I, I guess I don't know how long life is putting you on hold, but you should be, be hopefully you're making time every day, even if it's only 15 minutes to, I mean, we all have 15 minutes, right? You know, yeah. I hope. Famously, I think it was Hemingway would stop purposefully mid-sentence so that mm-hmm. when he sat down at his computer or his typewriter, he could pick up his thought. And so yeah. I think that's something you just have to train out. And it's actually a good thing because facing a blank page, not knowing where you're going to go next is far worse than reading the last sentence and then continuing typing. Yeah. 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 All right. Uh, We've got a lot of questions here still, Michael. So we're going to get through a couple of the last ones. And I think a lot of this is repetitive. So I'm just going to pick probably four or five more and then we'll wrap it up. Does that sound good to you? Yeah, that sounds good. Okay. If you're a writer hoping to staff on a traditional network procedural style show, do you specifically need a procedural style sample or just a great sample that shows your unique quote voice end quote? I've never written on a procedural. Don't even. They don't like them. I don't watch them. I, I would assume it's probably both. They're going to want more than one sample. They're going to want a sample of a procedural, and they're going to want a sample of something else. Uh, That's always the case, though. It's always two, right? Yeah. You need a, You did Usually, it, and it's not a fluke. You can do it again. Yeah. So I have one of each. Yeah. 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 Okay. 
All right. And um, K Films, do you remember shadowing a writer that is currently in the film industry? I don't know about shadowing. I've worked for many writers. I never shadowed anyone. I, 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 that, like, there's no such thing as shadowing a writer. You're, a writer sits in front of a computer, and if you were to shadow them, you'd, you'd be standing over their shoulder watching them type. Like, it'd be horribly uncomfortable for everyone. It's not like a, it's not a visual job to, how, how do you open, how do you open final draft? Like, that's what you'd say. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, I've worked for writers and I've talked to them about story. I've had conversations. I worked for a guy named William Master Simone. This is when I first breaking in. And uh, he wrote a great movie called The Beast. Uh, mm-hmm. He wrote uh, called, another one called Extremities. With, I think it was Farrah Fawcett. He was a playwright. He was a playwright out of New Jersey who worked as a grave digger. He was a grave digger. And he'd write plays, literally. And uh, brilliant writer. That's fascinating. Like, I want to yeah. that's a fascinating backstory right there. And he was such a sweet guy, so down to earth. And then he got brought on. I was working on, a, I was the writer's assistant on a movie called What's Love Got, Love, What's Love Got to Do With It? The Tina Turner Story. And uh, so he would come and he got, he flew in for, I think, three or four weeks to rewrite the script. And then I don't think he, I don't think he got any credit for it, but he got a boatload of money, I'm sure. And he came down to LA and he'd type up the pages on his old typewriter. Then I'd retype them and put them into the computer and format it correctly for, um, for the movie. And uh, such a sweet man. He's like, let me buy you lunch. Here's pizza. What can I do? He was just so nice. Uh, I, I really loved his attitude. He was kind, very down to earth. That's it. But you've adopted that attitude too. I mean, I've, I've done things to, to help you because I want to help you. And you've yeah. repaid in kindness beyond what I feel I've done for you. Well, thank you. I've yeah. seen you do that for other people as well. So, yeah. You know, because no one, I don't know, no one goes into screenwriting because they think it's going to, they're going to be in charge of the, the world. Yeah. You, know, you, you take another profession if you have a giant ego. But yeah, he was, he was a super nice guy. On those lines, Aaron Haas asks, what is the best way to approach someone who you want to mentor you or learn from them? Are there any specific things you did in that relationship or others? I don't know. I, I would imagine that's a question probably for you. I think what you do is you give first. That's yeah. what you do. Yeah, hundred percent, and and that does two things. One, just naturally, I feel of I feel good and feel of value when I serve other people. Yeah, like there's a there's a feeling, uh, and for me it's very physical. It's like a kinetic, kinesthetic, like tingly feeling of good when I right. do something for other people. It's a selflessness that I just I think it comes from being very poor and not having and knowing how valuable that little bit of help really moves the needle for people. And that's, so that's, that's the point then. So it's like, when you approach someone as a mentor, when you want someone to be your mentor, you're basically saying, I, I want you to give me something. I, what you have, I want. Can you give me what you, what you have? And so that's not the attitude. The attitude is, what can I give you, mentor, to make your life better? What can I give you? I'm in the broken lizard social media right now, helping them with this thing as we talked about. And I just posted this on my TikTok. Like, Every email that comes into that inbox is, here's a script that I've just written. Hey, I want to talk to you about a business opportunity. Hey, here's this thing. Every, Uh there are a lot of fans that comment, but anything industry related is put me in your next film. Hey, can I be a guest star on your film? Hey, can you get me to the Q and A? Hey, can I, can I sit next to you at the Q and A? It's never, Hey, I noticed this thing on your IMDB and I just want to let you know, I went ahead and fixed it for you. Thank you so much yeah. for what you've done for me. It's all, it's ask, 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 ask. And, and these people, yeah. that's all they get. And, you know, I don't know if it's just personal, just me, my personality. I have never 
approached anyone and just asked for something. That makes me feel yeah. really uncomfortable. I've yeah. always stopped and asked, what can I do to make that life? You guys, and I, 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 it might go back to this specific moment when I was uh, asked to come in and not guest lecture, but just be in a class at a business school because I was managing this deli, this chain of delis. And my friends mm -hmm. asked me to go in. And I remember the teacher saying, one of the best questions you can ask in any interview is at the end, they'll ask, do you have any questions? And the mistake is no questions. You should have questions mm -hmm. prepared. But the best question you can ask is, in this position, what burdens can I remove from your shoulder? Yeah. Or what can I do to make your life easier is the better way to ask yeah. that question. Yeah. And instead of asking that question, think about it, figure it out, and then proactively do it. That's, yeah. that's the best approach. Yeah. With, with zero expectation it. of return. Yeah. Zero. With zero expectation. If you have, give. if you were doing it for return, that is manipulation and that stinks. Intention has a smell, I think is a term right. I've heard before. That's right. People can that's sense it. that for sure. Cool. Uh, final question here. Uh, yeah. I had a good one here. Um, Hopsh kiss tips for building discipline around working consistently on your spec scripts. I think the problem is this person is losing interest in their own work. They're getting bored by their work. They don't know what the characters should be doing next. Uh, and that's hard. And so they're not looking forward to working because they don't know how to. And so I wouldn't, you know, if you suck at it or you don't know how to do it, you're not going to, why would you want to sit down at the typewriter and do more of it. If it's if you don't know what you're doing, it's going to be too hard. It's going to be distasteful. You're going to want to procrastinate. I think the the answer is you have to learn how to how to write. Once you learn how to do it, it doesn't become easy. But at least there's a path. At least you go. Okay, I know what to do here when I'm sitting at it. I know what to do. It's, doing it is hard, but I know what to do at least. Yeah. Uh, Ryan Holiday, the author behind the new Stoicism movement uh, that's out, um, many New York Times bestsellers, he put up on his social media the other day, well, it was Jim Halbert from The Office on the right board. Yeah. Stop worrying what other people think. They're only thinking about themselves. That's true. Yeah. No, And you true. gave me that advice. You said, no one cares. You're worried that's what everyone from... else thinks about you. The truth mm -hmm. is, no one cares because they're just thinking about themselves. Yeah, and that's, I, I believe I took it from Oscar Wilde who said, you know, you'd worry less about what people think about you if you realized how little they did. Yeah. They don't, they're not thinking about you or they already think you're garbage anyway. So what's the difference yeah. to make? Who cares? So get out, of, yeah. get out of your head is the other way. Don't worry about what other people think about you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Get now, out there's of your a lot of way. Yeah, there, there's a lot of questions we didn't get to, but, but for those of you who did attend the February webinar, I went through all these questions and a, lo a lot of these have been answered both on other webinars that we've done, other podcasts that we've done, or some of your social media content. So the content yeah. is out there. For those of you who did ask questions, you got your answers, questions answered today, apply these lessons. I mean, I think one of the other things that's important in progression is not just learning, but applying. You have to app, You have to uh, apply the knowledge that you're getting and then that becomes wisdom. And so make this wisdom by going out and applying this information. Yeah. Okay. Anything else you want to add, Michael? That's it. If, uh, I hope to see everyone at my next webinar. Just get the, come on, just yeah. pile in. The link is michaeljammon.com slash webinar. We have a lot on social media post every day on, on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, uh, at Michael Jamin uh, Writer, for those of you who are the same. Thank you. We have we have a newsletter goes out once a week. Uh, we call it the watch list. You go to michaeljammin.com slash watch list. We have a free lesson, michaeljammin.com slash free. Yep. What else, Phil? You have your uh, paper orchestra, your one-man show, oh. and the new book that you're you know working, you're working on volume two, I think you said. 
yeah, I'm writing away. I'm plugging away. And I'm, and I, I have struggles too. I, I'll start writing and I'm like, ah, where's this going? Where, where's this going? For people who are interested in learning more about that, what is that? Is that michaeljammon.com slash upcoming? Is that right? Yeah. If you want to, then you'll get notified when my book drops, which will also be an audio book and an ebook. And then uh, hopefully when I start touring, hopefully yeah. I get to your city. You, you have to go to that life. show. Have to go to that show. That, that's been in my head since December 10th, 2022. Thank you. It's incredible. That's a, yeah, it was about, it really is about putting an experience on. It was really yeah. about, and, and I, that's going to be, I'm going to talk about that in the next webinar I'm doing because someone had a question. Her question was, how do I get people to attend my, my uh, stage reading? And I'm like, oh, that's a great question. We're going to talk about that in the webinar. That's what I'm going to talk about. So, yeah, it's uh, amazing. And and you you talk to people. You like meet with people and you give feedback too. So it's another great way to meet you. Oh, oh, at the show. Yeah, afterwards is a Q and A at the show. So yeah, people like that. MichaelJamma.com/slash/upcoming. If you're interested in the paper orchestra or any of that stuff. Um, and you're posting and you're posting out too on TikTok. Yeah, I'm posting on TikTok um, and Twitter and Facebook. Um, Instagram's still a little personal with family stuff, so I've got to migrate that one eventually. But um, yeah, I'm That's... posting stuff because I'm I'm just running into a lot of the same thing where I am having experiences that I wish other I wish I had information about when I was trying to break mm -hmm. in and, and still trying to break in. But you know, I'm meeting with publicists. I'm I'm hanging out with the executive producers and the directors, and I'm talking to the marketing departments of these films, and I'm on set, and I'm you know working on i'm looking at budgets now there's a lot of things i'm looking at and i just figured that's yeah. might as well start putting there's a lot of stuff that you know that i'm not familiar with we're working with publicists and all that stuff so good for you that's phil a hudson your handle right yeah yep okay so all right everybody. all right everybody thank you thanks so much until next time keep writing, keep writing. yeah yeah writing. this has been an episode of screenwriters need to hear this with michael jamon and phil hudson if you'd like to support this podcast, please consider subscribing, leaving a review, and sharing this podcast with someone who needs to hear today's subject. For free daily screenwriting tips, follow Michael on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Michael Jammin Writer. You can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Phil A. Hudson. This episode was produced by Phil Hudson and edited by Dallas Crane. Until next time, keep writing.